as we speak to a New York City school social worker who says enough's enough on his Twitter page. It says make masks optional. Kids deserve a normal school year and a normal childhood. He is Justin Spiro. Justin, it's great to have you on. You've been outspoken. You've been uh, a strong advocate for kids and following the science and doing so. When did all of it start? Yeah, I think for me, I got involved long before I was yearning for normalcy, when I was yearning for just like a baseline uh, adolescent experience for my students, like thinking over a year ago, right? We had indoor dining open, we had gyms open and clubs open, yet we shut down every school, actually almost exactly, it was was, um, exactly a year ago, I think a year ago tomorrow, we shut down every school in New York City, even if they were masked and six feet apart because our positivity rate was above 3%. So it started back then. We had just this this this, this discord between, um, on one hand, we're letting adults who are much higher risk, and this is long before vaccinations, do what they want and do recreational things, but we can't have kids in school. And whether you want to blame teacher unions or bureaucracy or whatever it is, it, it was just it was just so maddening to me. And it got worse, honestly, as things got better once vaccines were unrolled and once every teacher was vaccine eligible by January. And we still kept kids, more, fun, schools functionally closed, let's say, through June here in New York City. Like by the end of the year, kids were like big whoop, allowed to attend two days a week for like two or three hours each day and stay in the same room all day. And we couldn't put kids, teachers had the right to not have kids less than six feet from each other when the teachers were themselves vaccinated already. This is before Delta, you know, vaccines mm-hmm. by animal mm-hmm. bulletproof. And we couldn't. And now we're seeing the results of that. I, it gives me no joy to say I told you so. And we see, you know, kids um, struggling so much because they had basically no school last year. Where do you see the biggest struggles um, with kids? Do you see it um, on a on an intellectual academic level? There's there's always kids that, you know, if we thought about our own educations. We're like, you know, that was a good year. I had a couple of good teachers. This is where I started to peak. I, you know, I, I always think of that entry into high school where you're like, OK, th- this gets a little more real, not as real as college, but it gets a little more real in that th- this is not, you know, this is not elementary school. The teacher isn't going to, you know, uh, be there for me and pick me up when I fall. You're kind of sink or swim. I, I wonder about that entry for kids over the last two years going in. I've got a 10th grader right now. And and like I said, he's done he's done really well. But I worry about the entry of my next one next fall into school. Right. So your your 10th grader, his last fully normal year was seventh grade and he had hit half of eighth grade. And then, you know, so I, as a social worker, admittedly, I I see things through a different lens and perspective than a classroom teacher. But so to me, it's all socio-emotional and even the academic stuff is emotional because it leads to the frustration. I have 11th graders who the hardest year of high school who weren't really prepared for it. They had a very watered down or almost non-existent 10th grade year. They left halfway through freshman year. Now they're expected to do uh, advanced science and AP history and all these things that they weren't really prepared for. Same thing with the seniors. They left the sophomores. So every year, it doesn't matter what grade the the kid's in, every developmental year is important. Um, And so we're seeing that academic stress, which leads to emotional stress, whether it be depression or anxiety. Um, But also on the interpersonal level, kids just don't know how to function with each other. Everything's been exacerbated. The anxious kids are now, you know, even more anxious. They're hiding, you know, in, in their shell and uh, paralyzed by, you know, social anxiety and the kind of dysregulated, aggr- you know, leaning towards aggressive kids who were able to c- control their aggression before are now getting into fights because they've had 18 months of no structure. 
Yeah. It, like, it, it, hey, listen, if we're having rational um, parents, you know, argue with strangers uh, on a website for an hour and a half um, <laughs> um, and, and you know, are, are risking careers and livelihoods by doing so. Think about how the, the, the irrationality of a 13 year old who gets so angry, he just wants to pop somebody in the face or girls that want to go back home and slam, you know, somebody they don't like on Instagram. That's a real thing. Like that's 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 been happening since the beginning of time. But the tension and how fried they are and the tools they can now utilize, especially online, are uh, are a lot different than they were 20, 25 years ago, where you, you could settle something in the schoolyard and it'd probably be over with. They had the, the toxic social media, but balanced out by seeing peers in a structured environment with caring, supportive teachers and staff every day. For the 18 months, all they had was toxic social media and all they had was street fights because it was unsafe, quote unquote, for them to be in a classroom. And so, you know, we were so COVID strict that we wound up being lax on their overall development. Justin Spiro is our guest. He's a school social worker in New York City. So someone might be listening and I want to give them ample opportunity to to take aim at us. So I'll turn the barrels on us. Uh, what do you say to somebody who's hearing two guys have a conversation who say, who says COVID's not over? You got the masks work. You guys sound like you're, you're, you know, you're trying to be reckless with our kids' health or my kids' health. What's the response from you in that capacity? I mean, well, they're right. COVID's not over, and COVID will never be over. COVID's going to become endemic. It's, and I'm not an epidemiologist, but mm-hmm. everything I've read, everything I've heard, like no one believes anymore that we're going to get rid of COVID or hit some magical threshold where it disappears. Um, everyone age five plus, I don't know if it's true in Canada, but at least in America is vaccine eligible. Um, everyone, every adult in America is booster eligible. Um, so there has to be a certain point, a certain off ramp, right? Like if you say, okay, let's mask for another couple of weeks or whatever, until we get everyone who wanted to get vaccinated, vaccinated personally, I'd be fine with that. Right. Okay. January 1st, we take off the masks just a few weeks. But to say we're going to keep masking. Meanwhile, like I was at the speaking of uh, hockey at the Ranger game mm-hmm. last night, 18,000 people, not a, almost not a mask in sight. Um, and older people, we know that older people, even 40, 50, 60 year olds are much higher risk than vaccinated and unvaccinated kids. And they're there. And they're yeah. at the, they're at the game. And you probably saw kids at the game with their parents or uncles or older brothers. Yeah, right? Yeah. Of course, all you all did. Ages. So now yeah. we have we have. Um, Teenagers, especially vaccinated teenagers, but even the unvaccinated kids who are subject to these draconian restrictions as if we're still in April 2020, knowing nothing, knowing nothing about COVID. And there's no end date. It's not like we're going to do it for two weeks or four weeks. There's no end date. There's no end metric. So it leaves people feeling like, like you said with your son, I'm sure he's glad to be back in school, but it's definitely miles above, you know, head and shoulder above being at home on remote learning. But still, like, when do we get back to normalcy? Justin Spiro's our guest on Toronto Today with Greg Brady on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Where I struggle is the idea of if we're talking about practicality, if we're talking, as you said, um, 14, 15 months ago, and we've got a pre-vaccine world, um, I'm I'm a lot more understanding of it. But when I, you know, when I think about the practicality of masks versus vaccines, but then I also think you, you hear people talk about the theater. I can put an epidemiologist on. He'll talk about the hygiene theater of, you know, wearing it between stations at the gym or or as you, you're wearing it to walk into Madison Square Garden and then you take it off or wearing it to walk to the bathroom in a restaurant. And they'll say, but but it does provide it does tell other people 
that you care about them. I'm really done with it. I'm really done with that. That's not my job. That's not anyone's job to make me feel better. Everyone's got to navigate. Of course, we got to pick up uh, and and protect our most vulnerable. Of course, we've got to pick up people when they stumble mentally, physically, emotionally. But if we if we cycle with that, well, the mask shows how much you care. We won't get out of this. Period. Yeah, I mean, so maybe we could all wear like a nice T-shirt or a nice button showing with inspirational saying that showing how much we care about people. But, <laughs> you know, we cared about people before COVID, right? We cared yeah. about people before masks, right? Right, And so there has to be at some point an end point. And to your or to the point to play devil's advocate, right? The people who say, well, you know, there are some kids or especially adults who are immunocompromised. Right? Those are very real concerns. Mm-hmm. I think no one should ever be disallowed from wearing a mask. Right. If someone is and the, the most protection someone can choose for themselves, an adult could get three shots, fully vaccinated with a booster, can wear a medical grade mask if they so choose. But and that's that's a personal decision on a societal level to say everyone wears a cloth mask forever just doesn't make sense because there are costs on the other side. And that's what we don't always talk about. It seems like it's almost taboo to even acknowledge that. Like Mayor de Blasio here in New York City hasn't even said he keeps saying, oh, kids are adapted well to it. He hasn't even said masks really do hamper learning and socialization and emotional expression. And we want to get it off as soon as possible. Hasn't even gone that far to even say that makes you like a Trump supporter. But the incoming mayor has said that I played a clip of him a week and a yeah. half ago. Yeah. And I was like, this is what I want to hear from political leaders. This is the messaging. This is what I want you to do to create confidence in uh, in, in your electorate and in all of us. That that you see an end date in sight, that you see an off ramp in sight. And and yeah, that probably should be guided by science, guided by metrics, guided by numerators and denominators. But at least you see it. And that's that's the struggle for so many people seeing it in political leaders and more importantly, public health officials right now. Like I, I know it's so unfair to say, well, there's a bunch of people that don't want this to end. But 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 if they don't know how to end it, they're afraid to be wrong. And that's that's almost as bad to me. Yeah, I mean, and there's certain practical steps that, like, you can take now no matter what. Like, if you even just acknowledge that masks are not perfect, that we don't love masks, they have some downsides. For example, we have vaccinated kids masking outdoors, but, but not by choice. That, like, running laps at gym class, they have to wear a mask as they run the lap outdoors, vaccinated outside. Like, those are some basic things that a mayor or politician could say tomorrow that's stopping. And then here's our timeline for stopping the rest of masks. You know, again, it, I, it, this year is so much better, so much better than mm-hmm. last year. Like just it, last year, I couldn't do my job at all. Like I literally couldn't do my job. Kids are at home. They come in once a week. They don't talk. It's like they're one dimensional. They're in shell shock from the, giving two hours a week of school this year. It's a vibrant school community. Um, and, but the masks, right. They, 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 they do inhibit and they are something that mm-hmm. you need to work towards getting off of. Justin Spiro, our guest from New York City. Thank you so much for the time. It's great to to uh, uh, come across your uh, your pathway. I'm sure you hear from parents that are supportive. I'm sure you hear from some that don't. But as we know in the, in our world right now, like we could ask a hundred people if uh, if the sun comes up uh, in the in the morning, and eight or nine people will say, "Of course it doesn't." What are you talking about? That's you know someone someone's drawing it up there. Uh, so you you can never get you can we can never find unanimity, but I. I think you're probably making a difference in a bunch of parents' life by the day, by the week. Um, And I appreciate you coming on and talking to some of the parents that listen to this show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Justin Spiro, uh, guidance counselor, social worker in New York City schools. 